Palace's last palace for just Ronaldo! on his right, hangs it up for Ronaldo, oh, nice settles, shoots, scores! Cristiano again! And he vaporizes the defenders! Ya acaba la derecha para Xavi. Asistencia de Xavi, mezca para esta, para Messi, 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 Immense Messi, Ankara 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 Protegeu, fez o drible, que lance do Neymar, que golaço! Gol! Guerreiro, here's Giroud, a deflection and Mbappé gives France the lead. The youngest ever goal scorer at a World Cup. For France, 19-year-old Kylian Mbappé. He just shook one, shook one. All right, welcome to episode six of Stoppage Time. Appreciate it to everyone that's listened so far. Uh, in previous episodes, we've had some guests on who've either been uh, fans of Premier League teams or Spanish teams. This week, I'm excited because we finally are going to be talking some Serie A. Um, everyone obviously knows I'm a Juventus fan, so... Our guest this week grew up in the same town I did in North Reading. He's a Roma fan, which is awesome because, like I said, I'm a Serie A fan. And just getting the opportunity to talk to people that, who are from the United States that actually follow Serie A is awesome. It's, I feel like we're increasing that a little bit more these days. But either way, um, he's part of one of my more active soccer group chats where you know we kind of just shoot the shit about games that are happening, stories coming out, transfers, etc. on a daily. So Massimo Famiglia, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Matt. I really appreciate it. Happy to be here. Yeah, no, thank you for coming on, man. I, uh, like I said, we talk, we're pretty much talking about soccer every day, all day anyway. <laughs> yeah. So might as well record one of these. And it's great timing to talk some Serie A, great timing, depending on who you're a uh, fan of, myself. I just love the sport, fortunately. So I'm a glutton for punishment. Um, we'll get to the Juventus stuff later on, but I want to talk about you to start things off. Um, can you give us a little background on like what got you into starting playing soccer and then watching soccer? Yeah. So in terms of playing, I, I didn't do much. I played when I was a kid. I'm not like very technically gifted. I'm always uh, with your brother. Was, yeah. <laughs> my, Buffon <laughs> was my favorite player, mostly because I just resonated with the fact he was a goalie. And I didn't really have confidence to play any other position. So whenever I played like pickup or anything like that, I was, like, <laughs> me too. Tall. This is the best. I love I was, that. Like, yeah. Like, toss me in at keeper like that's cool with me but um yeah I love the sport uh, my so my dad is from Italy and he was a big 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 AC Milan fan since converted he kind of like fell out of love with it I have a sport I guess you could say and now just by process of me being a constant Roma fan since I was eight has also become a semi-Roma fan but also is just a lover of Serie A so I'll credit my dad for uh, getting me into the sport so but, yeah, I grow why'd you pick Roma? 
So I chose Roma because like pretty much anyone our age that is Italian, Italian-American, like the 2006 World Cup was like <laughs> maybe the peak. <laughs> it might have, that might have peaked right there for Italian soccer, but um, that for team soccer. had so many, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> uh, that team had so many great players. Uh, and then I just loved watching Talti play. And then one day when my dad was watching AC Mil- an AC Milan game, they're playing Roma and Talti was like just clearly the best player on the pitch that day. Uh, and from there, I was like, all right, you know, when you're a kid, I was just like, all right, I like him. I'm a, I'm was, a Roma fan now. I love Talti. He was the so. best man. I mean, like even as the Juventus fan, like he always gets compared to Alessandro Del Piero. And I always say to people, this is like my level of respect for Talti. Like, like you, well, I watched a lot of his games growing up, and I just I can't remember many games where he wasn't the best player on the pitch. And just what he was able to do in that position from a creativity standpoint, like we all have seen some of the great goals he scored. Like he was a real ge- true genius and a truly world-class player. And as a Roma fan, like I'm sure you idolize him, having stayed at Roma that whole time when he could have gone absolutely wherever he wanted to, especially after that. Well, even before, well before that 06 World Cup. But after that World Cup, I think anyone would have been willing to sign him in his prime. Either way. Absolutely. There's like the famous Real Madrid story of of him saying and and, uh, Perez wanting him to go there. Uh, But yeah, I have tremendous respect for Tolti. He's one of those players that like, there's certain types of players that make you like love the sport. There's some guys that are like gritty. There's some guys that are just good with the ball. And he was one of those guys like that guy had a ball at his feet since he was two, because there's no way that you're that precise pinging the ball around the pitch like that. Same thing with Messi, Dybala, these type of players. They're like gem players. Like they they come around. It just looks easy for them too. Yeah. Something's not right. Like some, there's like the normal person can't do that. (laughs) Like most people have to train a lot, a lot to do that, but that's just talent. I, I feel like with Tati, my takeaway every time was that it just looked super easy for him. Like the passing range that he had too, like that's why he was able to drop deep back a little bit deeper. Like if he needed to, like he could play in any of those forward positions. I feel like just really like one of the true great players of football that a lot of people don't even really know about if they didn't get the opportunity to watch him. And I know like fo- real football fans, real soccer fans do know about Tati, but I think a lot of the mainstream that are just starting to get into watching soccer, like really need to do themselves a favor and go watch his highlight films. Like you could probably watch like a, a 20 minute back heel clip alone. So just go enjoy, go enjoy some of his highlights. What are some of the best memories that you have of rooting for Roma? I have like, I got to pick, I'm going to pick, I'm going to show some love to some more recent ones just for the sake of our team making some progress. I'm going to say the conference final last year winning the conference league which is a you know the third division of UEFA but we hadn't won a trophy in in 10 years and I like vaguely remember the Coppa Italia win which was like already 10 years ago and uh so this was big I think to get like a trophy under our belts uh was huge and the you know Feyenoord was a good team and it was Mourinho, the Mourinho magic finally kind getting of getting his trophy in, in the first season. Too. Yes, he got his trophy in the first season, and and that really gave a lot of hope and belief to the project. In terms of like, I, I think in in any other situation, a lot of the Roma fan base is hesitant to trust the manager, even if it was someone like Mourinho. But he really bought himself some time with with Roma by winning that trophy because everybody believed in the project after that. 
What did speaking yeah. of that game? Obviously, Saniolo had two goals in that game. Um, was it two? It was two goals, right? No, it was one, one zero. Just one. But it was the okay. win. It was the winning goal. Yeah, it was the winning goal. Okay. And Mourinho recently made some comments about him about how he wants to leave. And in his comment, in classic Mourinho fashion, he said, "I'd also like to be in London with my family, but he's not going to be able to go." What do you think of the whole situation? And I want to get back to your your um, favorite Roma memories too. But just while it's top of mind, because I'm sure a lot of people would be interested in hearing about this and love Mourinho. Like, what do you think about that whole situation there? You want me to dig through the whole Zaniolo thing? Yeah, go for it. Why not? All right, let me take a drink. We don't need to be formal here. Yeah, take your time. Take a deep breath. <sighs> okay. <laughs> so, uh, I don't know. I have... I go back and forth with Zaniolo. There's no question he's a very talented player, right? I think anybody that watches him knows that he has the talent to perform. I think it's also obvious if you watch him that this dude has like kind of an attitude problem. He's a little bit selfish on the pitch. And normally I like those players, but it's to the point where I understand that he's frustrated that he can't score goals. But if you watch 90 minutes of a Roma game with Zaniolo playing, you're going to see like two, three times every single game. It's like you got to pass the ball. And he's shooting these like ridiculous turn shots, like just to try. I get it. Like you want to try to score. But the reality is like the team is already not performing at a great level sometimes. And you don't need that type of player in there. If, if that's the case, I think it's complicated, too. He's got a contract issue. He asked for more money. But at the same time, this guy's had two ACL injuries. He's still young. But two ACL tears, he's not really done much in the last two years. I understand why the team doesn't want to give him a raise. Uh, you know, they offered the extension, but he didn't want it. And now I think it's just to the point where it's better to let him walk. I think if we're building a team and this guy doesn't want to be a team player, I think you you roll the dice on the fact that he has two ACL tears and he – Yes, maybe he goes to Milan or Tottenham or something like that. And to be honest, I hope he does well. Like, I don't wish him any anything bad. But in terms of be, as a Roma fan, I think for me, it's time to probably just let it go. I, I bet a lot of Roma fans are with you. I was really surprised to hear AC Milan being thrown in the mix because for a long time, it's been talked about how he grew up as a Juventus fan. And you could see like old Instagram posts or Twitter posts like about Juve and like, even Nico Shira, I'm pretty sure, had at one point that Juventus were deep into negotiations for him. And it, all of a sudden, AC Milan kind of being pulled out. It makes sense when you think about Milan's struggles at right wing. Like, they haven't filled that position, and they've gotten a title and still haven't filled that position. So, uh, I mean, title in this Serie A, which we'll get to that big picture issue in a minute. But it makes some sense, but I was kind of just, I don't know, it was kind of random. Yeah, I think the Milan thing, for me, I interpret it as – I mean, obviously, we don't know every uh, offer that comes in and who they're talking to and whatnot. We are just fed, you know, through Fabrizio Romano and Shira and stuff on Twitter. Like, you know, Milan are interested. Spurs are interested. From my understanding, those are the two teams that really have, like, come forward with actual offers. I think Conte wants him at Spurs, which was the similar case in the summer. In the summer, it was Spurs and Juve. That 40 million offer from Juventus is looking a whole lot better now. Um <laughs> But yeah, it's looking worse for you guys that you yeah. just try and find a way to get that done. Um, yeah, I think there was there talk of like our tour or someone being included in the deal, which is what threw them off. But I think, yeah, if, I think, I the, 
me either. <laughs> I think the Milan thing is kind of stemming from probably his agent trying to ship him around Italy. I think he wants to stay in Serie A, from my understanding. Yeah, it makes sense. Um, but I am surprised and also not surprised that Milan are, are interested. I think it could be a good option for them, but I don't know. It's hard to say. He might flourish instantly somewhere else. He is one of the weirdest players I've ever watched, too. Like, I think your analysis overall was pretty spot on. Like, a lot of the times it does feel like he's trying to do a bit too much. But then you've also mentioned yourself, like, the team's not performing well. So a player like that, maybe he feels like the onus is on him to try and do too much and figure out the situation for his team if they aren't playing well. And I think it's been, like, a mix of that and, like, he also needs to, like – pick his head up at certain times and like make the smarter decision more often. So it's hard to analyze him. And I think the reason it's been hard is just because of the injuries. Otherwise I'd be willing to say like, yeah, like based on expectations, the kid's a flop, but because of the injuries, like I I've given him like a little bit of the benefit of the doubt. Those are two, those are two. That's insane to have two ACL tears before you're what 22, not even 22 years old. Like, that's it's really unfortunate, unfortunate to say the least. So I give him a little bit, a little bit of the benefit of the doubt. I agree. I think there's definitely leeway in terms of the injuries. And I'll also say this: I think the style that Mourinho plays doesn't exactly benefit someone like Zaniolo. Just in terms of like, like you said, like the team isn't playing well. But what I mean by that is not that we're not winning games and doing good. Like our performance in Serie A in terms of the table and stuff like that. And since we come back from the World Cup break has been great. I can't have any complaints. Like, no, it's not enjoyable to watch, but that's how Mourinho plays. And so, like I said, it's possible that he goes somewhere else and kind of is let out of the cage or he just needs a change of environment and, and does well. But yeah, he's not the same player that he was when he first came over here. And obviously, you know, nobody would be after, after those two injuries at, at his age. I also think that every time I kind of question like, oh, maybe he should stay. I can't, there's no player that has torn two ACLs that's come back and really, you know, and medicine is changing and stuff like that, but there, I can't name anybody. Yeah, but that's, that, you can't, that do, any, you can't really career. do anything about that. Yeah. Right. You can't do anything about that. Two ACL yeah. tears. And we've seen how hard it's been for Chiesa to, to even come back. Now, Allegri doesn't even want to play him, which is uh, yes, kind of a similar situation, different there. situation, but um, either way, like we've seen the road it's been for him to come back from one. Um, it's insane, and I feel so badly for Zaniolo that he's had to deal with another one. I do, Obviously, I really hope he succeeds. When I first saw him play, I thought he had the chance to be one of the best Italian players in this upcoming generation. I still think he has a chance to be, like, a really big contributor to the national team and, like, a solid Italian player. Hopefully, you're rung above a Bernadeschi-type player, but who knows? I, it's going to be really hard for him to reach the heights that he had initially been expected to. I think so too. Mourinho put a lot of faith in him. I think Zaniolo has not, I can't really pick out any game off the top of my head where he really was like the standout guy in the game. Agreed. And also if you look at like someone like Al Sharawi, for example, who is a fantastic player, same thing, very talented, was cursed by injuries. But Al Sharawi is much older now and he's got much less game time, but he's got more goals and has been much more relevant than Zaniolo in these, at least in this last couple of games when he's been given the chance. So it's hard to justify keeping him, especially if he's going to make, you know, some drama with not showing up for the Spezia game, things like that. It's not the type of player you want, especially with the project Roma has going on as much as it is. So, so let's stick with Mourinho and let's stick with Roma. Um, well, we can kind of take it down this path now. 
that were on the topic. I mean, this season's been interesting for them. Outside of the Inter game, the Inter game was a huge win on the road. Um, but one, no losses to Napoli, losses to Napoli, to Lazio, and I believe to Atalanta as well. I think that's very much a symptom of the Mourinho style of play. Are you, do you feel like it's in the Roma's best interest to stick with him over the next few years? Or like, if, given what's happening to Juventus, if you guys don't make the top four, is that enough cause to be like, this is, it's time to move on from this marriage or what? I think, here's my take. Roma flips through managers like a book, especially in the last couple of years. With Di Francesco, I was not happy with him being appointed as manager. I didn't think he was the right choice, especially after Spalletti, who had done so well and then left on kind of sour terms and went to Inter. Um, I didn't like Di Francesco. I liked Fonseca, but the, I'm not sure how familiar you are with the situation with Monchi coming in as sporting director. Yes. You really he's at Sevilla it. now, dude. And he's, yeah, he's he was, tearing them up too. That's, yeah. They are going to make a documentary about what that guy did, hopefully. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> the club so, killer. Yeah. yeah, the club killer. But um, anyway, so we kind of have gone through a couple of managers. Mourinho, and I think the thing is, the other managers that we've had, there's been a question of what have these managers done to deserve Roma? And I think it's the opposite for Mourinho. I think where Roma is right now, as much as I love the club, it's more what, why do we deserve Mourinho? He's won everything. He's a, clearly a champion. He's a serial winner. Yes, it's frustrating to watch him play, but I think it would be a huge mistake to not give this guy three years with the team like the project has suggested, especially if he's willing to stay. And all things considered outside of like him yelling at referees and stuff in terms of like speaking about the team and speaking about buying players and stuff like that. He's been pretty non Mourinho. He's yeah. got a lot of love for Roma. His so on the I, field antics haven't changed, but I agree no, with no. you. He's been a little bit more tame. Maybe the media is a little bit more forgiving to him these days too. And I, maybe I think, that. yeah, Serie is happy to have him in a way. I think. No, well. dude, ab- no, absolutely. Absolutely. We're, we're the league's at a point where we'll take any big name that we can get. Like signing Ronaldo when he was 150 years old was like the best thing that ever happened to Serie A, from what I can remember. At least like in this era, it was, yeah, it was a big deal. It was a huge deal. And that's sad enough as it is. But <laughs> either, either way, um, one thing that I always think about as far as you guys, because it's very similar to Juventus. The way your manager wants to play, it's just never going to be enjoyable. And you have a lot of really talented players who can play some aesthetically pleasing football, some really good. They, I feel like some of these guys can be really good in the possession-based system. Like, do you feel like it's there's particular talents that are wasted in this situation? Like, for me, I know Dybala can handle the situation, but he might be better off playing on another team. He's still lighting it up. What do you think about how he's fit in and just overall the some of the points I was making there? Well, I think I can speak for pretty much every Roma fan when I say Dybala is the light of our lives, <laughs> especially this year. I mean, we have not had, like, the gem since Talti. Like, Pellegrini is a talented player. Zaniolo is a talented player. But, again, Paolo Dybala is one of those players that there's something that this kid does with the ball that is just, like, I don't know. He's just made to play the sport. He's a very talented player. So I think, like you said, Dybala can shine anywhere. But yes, if you put him with like maybe Gasparini and Atalanta, he have more goals, stuff like that, probably. He is like a servant of Mourinho through and through. I think they have a lot of respect for each other. Um, but in terms of like wasted players, I think, yeah, you could say like Pellegrini. 
when Dybala wasn't there, now Pellegrini's had to drop back more. Uh, he's doing different things in the midfield, but it's not as showy. And maybe for someone like him who really often lacks confidence, I would say, like in, in big games and stuff like that, last year was much better because he was scoring goals, assisting more. His confidence was higher. This year, he's not as touching the ball as much. He's a little more reserved from the attack. And, uh, you know, he's the captain, so I have great respect for him. He's he's not complained or anything like that. But, yeah, I think you could say maybe his talent uh, is, is wasted. Same thing with, like, Z Zalewski, I think he's had made to play like a left back role when he's really more of like a left mid left wing but it, to Mourinho's credit the last like string of games he's really stepped it up defensively and so maybe there's just some things that it's not right for me to judge as a as someone who's not the, the coach um but yeah I think it, it's hard I know you as I uh Juventus fan who's had to watch Allegri for many years you really <laughs> suffered through some games and uh you just look yeah. at the table and, and try to smile. I know not right now, but in general, usually <laughs> there's a little bit of luxury. Yeah, well, I would have been fine with it if we didn't just get a 15-point deduction. I think we would have <laughs> yeah. been, been pretty much in good shape based on expectations, but either way. Yeah, I, I mean, I really enjoyed watching Dybala thrive. As a Juve fan, I, I think it's important to note, like, I've been happy to see him, like, He's living up to his potential for given the system. I feel like he could be doing even more, you know, at a bigger club. And I was really surprised bigger clubs didn't go for him, man. I really was. Like I understand the injury issues are the reasons why the reason why, you know, we didn't sign him, but he really didn't want an insane amount of money. And so for some of these teams to have him just even as a commodity, and then maybe he works his way into the starting eleven, like that would have been it would have been kind of a no-brainer to have gone for him, but I'm, I guess I'm happier he's ended up at a team like Roma where he can be the star and he can be appreciated too. Like it literally began with that incredible intro, like uh, introduction he got um, when he got officially announced as a Roma player. Like the Roma fans are at least like very, very good fans and see what they're getting out of Dybala. So I'm happy for him and happy for the situation. And I'm happy that Mourinho has gotten the most out of him was definitely curious as to how that was going to go. Cause if you keep in mind too, Dybala's had his issues with certain Juventus coaches too. Like he's had, he's had certain problems like that as well. So it wasn't a 100% guarantee, but you had to think if, if Dybala was going to accept that situation over going to Inter, which I'm sure they tried to sign him too. Uh, Cause there had been talks about it for so long, like, but you know, he knew what he was getting himself into. Yeah, absolutely. I think just to bring another point to what Mourinho brings to Roma, I think there is no Dybala at Roma without Mourinho. Uh, in terms of like where we were as a team, like yes, we won the Conference League and stuff like that, but we were not in Champions League. And if you look at the team that we've been able to acquire the last like, couple of years, we haven't been able to go after some you know more higher end players uh, or even take a chance or, or have other players take a chance on us as a team. Like I look back to like when we signed like Patrick Schick. Yes, he didn't pan out at Roma. He's been doing well elsewhere now, which is great. But just in terms of like everybody wanted him at that time, but he chose to come to Roma. And if we didn't have Champions League, like which happened the year after that, that type of player doesn't come. I think without Mourinho, Dybala does not end up in Roma. Totally like, true. Yeah, you're so, right. Yeah. So he he really has been a major factor in terms of like, it's like, okay, they don't have Champions League right now, but you know, People are buying into the Mourinho project and Dybala's bought into the Mourinho project. Okay, if Dybala's there, maybe I'm going to go there. 
I think that's why I hope I would love to get um, Ziyech from Chelsea. I think he's a great player. I think that would be a great signing, especially as a replacement for Zaniolo. Um, you know, to attract some higher end players to the team, to Serie A, I think would be good. I don't think it's possible without uh, Mourinho. No, he's a huge piece of that, actually. That's that's a great point. I'm pretty positive Dybala would have just ended up going to Inter if Mourinho yeah, sure. didn't convince him to come and be the centerpiece of the project and try and link up with Tammy, who's an interesting player. What do you what do you make of him? Sometimes I watch him and I think like there's he's missing chances, you know, kind of just a little all over the place, like a chicken with his head cut off in certain games. Then other times he looks locked in and he's scoring important goals, right place, right time. Like, what is your overall as a Roma fan? analysis of his time at the club and leading up to where he is today i think I, I love Tammy. i'm really happy he's with the team i think it's tough last year he had similar to pellegrini there he wasn't sharing the ball with dibala you know it was he was the star i think that brought him a lot of confidence that's why he had a great first season like the best for any roma player like or new player joining the team that i can remember uh, oh yeah and so I think that is a major part of it. That being said, I think there was a lot of expectations for the team coming into the year. I think most Roma fans had us finishing in fourth, like if you, for predictions at the beginning of the season. But just in terms of us getting Dybala, second season under Mourinho, Bilalti, Wijnaldum, this type of players coming in, I think there was a lot of excitement. So I think that weighed on the team as a whole, and including him, I think you saw a lack in confidence. And I think a major thing to consider too is his spot with England was never locked, especially with some of the other guys going into the World Cup. So I think there was a lot of pressure for him to try to perform right before the World Cup, where now you watch the last couple of games, it's like vintage. It's like him from last year. He looks great. He's excited. He's running. He's not missing chances. He scored a goal versus uh, Spezia uh, yesterday, the day before, yep. where he would have missed it, you know, two months ago, like 100% on positive. And He's so looking think, better, definitely. I agree. Yeah. I think I think the team is looking better overall too, but I think just in terms of him as a player, I'm, I'm sure the World Cup probably, you know, ma made it a little hard for him early season. Um, but overall, I'm happy with him. Uh, I'm happy we don't have to look for a number, another number nine. <laughs> I'm happy that I love Jekyll. Right. Uh, I respect what Jekyll did with Roma, but the last two years with Jekyll were a little hard to watch. Why? Do you, why do you think he's in? I'm not saying he's at all what he used to be but why do you think he stepped up and had a better season this year than he'd had in the last couple? Jekyll? Or I feel like at least at certain moments this game, this season, he's had you, some good moments. You're talking about Jekyll? Yeah. Oh yeah. I think, I don't know. It's tough to say, right? I think he, I think Jekyll is somebody that benefits from having another striker next to him. So someone like Lataro who's fast and can do all the heavy work because one thing that you can't really say about Jekyll is like that guy is a poacher. Like he's a classic striker. No doubt about that. Yeah. He's, there are some goals that I, I mean, like he, he really is one of the underrated strikers of, of the generation. And I don't mean that just as a Roma fan. I think if you look at Wolfsburg city, no, like, I, he, absolutely. he's a killer. Uh, he won two. a title. Did he, did he win a title? I think he won a Bundesliga. Yeah. With, with Wolfsburg. With Wolfsburg. And he scored a ton of goals in the two or three years he was there. And then obviously crushed it with Manchester City. He was scored a ton of clutch goals. That's my that's my biggest takeaway from Jekyll was it wasn't just the goal he scored on that uh, final day to tie the game in 2012, but he just scored a lot of clutch goals. I felt like for Manchester City and like random Premier League games that people might forget. 
he's not he's had an unbelievable career he's been tested in three different major leagues now so yeah i think so too if you look at what he was at city too he had aguero with him i think probably he's having a little bit of a, maybe some flashbacks with lataro the way that he plays he knows that routine uh and i think they play the ball to him quite a bit um you know i've seen some stinkers that he's put on with inter too but I was gonna say, he's older. had some bad ones too he's had some he's been pretty inconsistent but his goal return is much better this year than it was shaping up to be last season, especially down the end. So, um, I don't know. He's just an interesting player to me. He's For pretty sure. old, but I feel like he could probably keep on this pace given his style of play. He could probably keep on this on this pace for another year. Or so, they're yeah. not going to need. They're not. They only need him as backup, anyways. Yeah, that's true. If, if Lukaku was fully healthy, that he would not probably be playing as much. Yeah. What do you think of Inter overall this season? Tough loss today. But... Oh, yeah, that's right. They lost to Empoli. I didn't, I only watched like the, the game right after the red card. So I only saw the, uh, the goal. But um, I don't know. It's hard to say. I think we've talked about it a lot in the group chat. I don't think Inzaghi is really, I think he was a band aid for Conte. Uh, and they didn't really change the team to benefit him much at all either. Like, yes, they got Lukaku back, but I mean, I like Lukaku, but I, I think you need to, I don't think the team is set up to benefit him. It's more or less the same team outside of like Gosens that Conte had when he won the league with Inter. And um, I don't know. I don't, I don't know if it's fair. It's fair to criticize him, but I wouldn't say it's like all his fault. I just don't think he's the right manager for them. He's just never going to elevate them. Yeah, like, that's a, that's right. And, yeah, and I and none of their players have gotten better since he's been there. Truthfully, and and within Zaghi, I think he tried to play a more even more conservative version of Antonio Conte's football last season. It really didn't work. This year, what's happened to their defense? Like that's yeah, kind of I, the story and the big takeaway for them this year is that they've allowed twenty five goals in nineteen games. Like. Not really sure what's happened there, but overall, overall, like they don't look like the same team on a week in, week out basis. Like their game against Napoli, they that was awesome. That's some of the best that they've they've played all season. Napoli did nothing the whole game. Um, but yeah, what do you why do you think they're such a streaky team? I, I don't know. In terms of I I don't really recall big surprise, I don't watch much of Lazio, <laughs> but uh I don't yeah, recall me not me neither. That's okay. We can cancel them and their fascist fan. No, sorry. <laughs> I uh, so I, I don't remember much of his time with Lazio outside of like their league finishes and and the derbies, but I don't really remember him being. You know, he's not exactly a defensive minded coach. I would say. And then you look at things like Skriniar, who it's like, is he leaving? Is he staying? He's up for sale. PSG bid for him. He's not. He wants out. No, he's going to resign. And I think when that is one of your best players, um, that doesn't do a lot for confidence for the team. And I think his mind might be elsewhere. I saw a rumor today that he might be gone in January. That might have been in the group chat, honestly. Uh, but yeah. I, so I don't know. I think maybe that plays uh, a, some contribution to it. I, I think Acherby has been pretty good over there. I, I've all things considered, I, I didn't expect much from that uh, transfer. All the games but, I've seen him play in, he's been pretty solid. Yeah, he's been he's been good, but I, but I'm not sure. I think I think like you said, he's not going to elevate them, and it maybe it's just time to move on. 
but it's a similar situation to Pioli where it's like, he's has he done enough to be sacked? Has he right. done enough to stay? It's kind of this limbo. But sometimes, you know, to make an improvement, you need to just make that decision and, and you know, get someone new. I don't know who they would get in terms of a manager uh, to replace him, but sometimes you just need a fresh set of eyes. They have, I think I said it earlier, they have the best squad in Serie A in terms of players on paper, I would say. I think so when from a maybe from a depth perspective, maybe they have the best. Napoli might have the best now. Just oh, I think sure, that, sure, sure. I, I think at this point they might have the best team overall. They have depth too. But in the past year, if you if not even year, if you look at the past like two, three years, like they've had the most talent in Syria. It's not really that close. Even when Lukaku left, I expected them to win the title last season. And they should have. They completely blew it. So it was just because Lataro went on his classic 10-game run that he always goes on, where he just does nothing and really can't really I can't explain that one. But either way, it's going to be interesting the way this is going to shape up because let's just assume Juventus doesn't go on some crazy run. I would love for them to, but let's just be logical about it. Most likely, despite our best efforts, we're going to get knocked out of European football. So it really leaves the door wide open for now Roma, Atalanta even, and Lazio to come in and take take a uh, Champions League spot. I think Inter, Milan, and obviously Napoli are pretty locked in. You know, Milan's been really shaky too. I don't think that they're that on. I'm going to look at the t- table right now. They're really only three points up on even on Atalanta. Yeah, I mean, the, the, you look at the top of the table and it's pretty tight. With Inter's loss today, they're level with Roma, so both with 19 games. So that could be a, a switch, too. I think the Juventus thing definitely shakes a lot up um, in terms of who are, who I think will finish top four. I'm going to stick with Roma. I'm just, and maybe we'll finish higher. I don't, I think with the Juventus situation now, I feel confident saying like we, we need to be able to make top four. Absolutely. Just, you know, I think versus if I look at Lazio and I look at Atalanta, Atalanta are a great team. I love that guy they have, Lookman. I think, Dude, he's the, such a he's, I don't, he's maybe, he's got to be what, second top scorer in Serie A? He's 11 first. goals, so I'm pretty sure he ha- he is. He's probably close, at least the Osiman. Um, but yeah, so I think, you know, it's going to be tough, but I, I, I would put squad wise, consistency wise, I think hopefully Roma will be able to maintain, you're going to see some shakiness too. Like we're playing in the Europa league. So, I mean, not to say there aren't good teams down there, but I think Napoli, uh, Milan, they're going to be stressed. They're going to have to play champions league, you know, and I think when that comes around, you're going to look at, you know, injuries, things like that. Squad depth is going to come into play. So you know, now is probably the time that Milan should be getting it together. Um, hopefully, yeah. I, well, you'd I hope so, but they're because the run that they're on right now is about as bad as they like they've been on since yeah. Pioli took over. Um, I, the last couple games, defensively, they look a mess. All, from an attacking perspective, it looks like just get the ball to lay out and pray. Like I, I know that that forward line isn't the best right now. But you've got to be able to do something better. I don't understand how they've stuck with the two midfielders. Like, I get that those guys are beasts, but I feel like they just get overpowered even against, like, mid-table 
Serie A teams if those teams come to play and like those teams come to like actually try and impose themselves in the game and don't sit back like the, the midfield too just doesn't really work if you don't have a good cam to kind of like do the work that needs to be done at that position and then also like provide that link up option like they're they don't have Brahim is terrible and obviously Decatelli is a lost cause like when are they do you think that they need to make a pivot from a formation standpoint from a coaching standpoint like I think similar to what I said about Inter I think uh, I suppose not similar because I think Pioli is a good coach and was what Milan needed at the time but yeah. you can't deny that he massively overachieved winning the Scudetto and it's almost shot him in the foot because now that has set the expectation of, okay, we need to be competitive. And, and they are, obviously they're in second, but um, in terms of like the quality and, and stuff like that, of, of how they play and the mentality, things like that. And I don't blame him for this. I blame more like the ownership, uh, but you, you didn't reinforce the squad. Like you said, the midfield is not working. I think you've stunted Tonali's development. Obviously he's a wonderful player, but he should be playing with maybe like another veteran midfielder someone to kind of like take the reins a little bit it's a lot of pressure on him to kind of orchestrate and run that mid, uh, midfield obviously he's he's a younger player himself Renato Sanchez would have been incredible Renato yeah, Sanchez would have been, been a perfect move for those guys like that I don't know it, like I feel like Benacer could have been could have been played like just, he could play just as well in the position he's playing now is is in a, a six I think he plays in, as a six and Tonali and Renato Sanchez, that's an incredible midfield. Yeah, I, I think, I don't know. There's a lot of, like, what ifs. I think Zia could have been great for them. I know I said that to our friend Dave, uh, but. But no, those two moves are not expensive. That's the thing. Like, Renato Sanchez was, like, he was asking for a little bit more money and salary from PSG and then have given it to him. And it was, like, what, an 18 million euro move? Like, Ziyech would have been, basically, wasn't he going – couldn't he have gone for a loan move? Yeah, for I think, free. Like I don't remember the exact details, but I think you're right. He wanted to leave Chelsea at least and get right. some more playing time. Um, yeah, I don't know. I I think they're they're in a weird spot too, and I don't know. I can't speak too much about like their ownership, but from my vague understanding, it's like a hedge hedge fund that owns them, so they probably don't want to put in the money, or they're maybe of the mentality, oh, we won with this team, that means it's good, so just leave it alone. Um, so it, it, it's hard to say, but yeah, I, I think like, like I said, Pioli is, you know, now not reaping the rewards, but in a way of winning the Scudetto. Now there's a, a higher precedent and expectation. I think they need a champions league level manager if they want to do something, but I think even a great manager can come in with this team and maybe he does better. Uh, but I, I don't think that, I think the team needs a little something extra if they want to stay no, they, they definitely are. need more depth. They need more juice. Like, they need more firepower up top for sure. Like, I love Giroud. And he just – if he was healthy every week and if he was a few years younger, this would have been a marriage made in heaven. And then you, you like, get the right winger and all of a sudden you have, like, a really serious front three. But, like, they need to get him some real depth so that, like, there are games that he doesn't need to start and he can actually get the right amount of rest, and then he'll be deadly at the end of the season just like he was. Because the way the situation's gone now, they're going to need to play Coppa Italia. Oh, wait, no, they lost. They lost to Torino in that. So whatever. They're out of that. Good for them. They're going to need to play the Serie A games. They're going to need to play in the Champions League, because and they've got Spurs. That's 
as winnable a draw as you could basically ask for from their position, um, second place team. So I don't know. I just, I'm wondering if Conte comes in and does the trifecta. He's saying he wants to come come back to Italy and then he'll have coached Milan, Inter, and Juve. Yeah, I know uh, it was briefly mentioned in the, the group chat the other day. I think Diego Simone, I don't know if he's going to leave Atletico. I know that seems to be a rumor every year now. I think he'd be a great coach for Milan. They have the same mentality, I would say. Uh, and I think he's somebody that just wants to win. And he will say, but at the same time, if you want to get Simone, you're going to need to back him on the transfer market uh, to some capacity too. I think, again, like I'm going around in circles, but with the squad that they have right now, this is probably where they should be. I think they're coming down to earth again is what's happening. Yeah. Um, yeah oh, definitely. I definitely agree with that. Um, last year's run, like all the credit to them, but yeah, absolutely. absolutely. Who, who they saw them winning? Yeah. Who saw them, that team winning the title? Like they totally overperformed. I agree with you. They, it was the Decatur things, a disaster. Like I, I feel bad for the player and I don't think he deserves like, the abuse. I, nobody deserves abuse in soccer. In the end of the day, this is all a sport and this is all a game. And like nobody deserves like heavy abuse. Milan deserve a lot of criticism for that. It should be like the player's development is this different thing. That's on the team. He's so young. You had to expect that that was going to be a possibility. You paid 40 million for him. You, you didn't right. think you thought he was going to be a player to have like a instant impact like Serie A is a weaker league today but like it's not that weak like this kid's getting pushed around and and I and it doesn't look like he has the confidence to build himself back up which is really concerning yeah I, I obviously I, I don't again if they purchased him for that price tag like a lot of the, the, these situations with, with these types of players um, the talent isn't really a question like I'm sure he has it but it, yeah it seems more of a mental thing I think if you look at you know, when they brought Leao in uh, a similar situation, just in terms of not performing right away. And now you look at him, but it's a different place for the team. Um, you know, there was an expectation right away for Milan that now it's like you have, if you're going to play, you have to perform because we have to win. Not to say that wasn't the case then. Obviously, every professional team wants to win, but just in terms of, you know, what is allowed, so to speak, um, for a player to kind of learn and grow um, that. That I don't think he has that luxury that Leao had. Um, he, he could no, be definitely. good still. Who knows? Sometimes guys like that next season, there he could come out and, and do really well. But yeah, I don't know. I think also if you look at like they're out of Coppa Italia, whereas like which is where you know some of those guys kind of really get some minutes to play a, a full ninety with the team, right. or, or at least half the team. It, it, that's important, and and he won't he won't have that either this year. Um, you know. If they're smart enough, they won't, you know, throw him into Champions League. They, they should. I agree with like with what you said. There should be a little more protection of his confidence from the team. Definitely. Um, so Milan, Inter, all, both in a weird place. Roma and, and Atalanta. It gives them an opportunity. Atalanta don't look bad, man. We just played them obviously yesterday, three three draw. They're looking like they just put dropped eight goals on Salernitana and it's Salernitana, but like they just are looking a little bit better in the last uh, couple of weeks. Do you see them being a threat to Roma or a serious threat long term? Uh, in terms of the top four race? Oh, yeah. 
Yeah, I would say so. I think when you have a striker that's doing really well, like Lookman, and they have a really, I think uh, Bolga has really turned it on. He started to get look a little bit better. He's had a couple of assists. Um, that kid Hoyland too looks really good. He a yeah. lot of energy in that last Juventus game. Yeah, he's got a couple of goals as well, doesn't he? I don't know. Yeah. I don't know the exact stat, but um, yeah, four goals. Yeah, so I, I would say so. Yeah, I think. Uh, I would put Lazio in there too. Uh, they're not far behind. Uh, <clears throat> or actually, we could even be tied on points with them, depending on uh, how their next game goes. I think they have Milan next, if I remember right. They have Milan but, tomorrow, yeah. Yeah, so that depends on how that game goes. Um, I think they're going to get smacked. They're a pretender team to me. I feel like they. I feel like they've only got smoked by a decent team. Like, Juventus isn't that good, and we killed them. Like, I, I put them against Milan tomorrow with how bad Milan's playing. I'm still banking on Milan to win 2-1 tomorrow. Yeah, I think I think Milan will probably take care of them tomorrow as well. I think just because of, like, the derby and things like that, Lazio always hang around. That's one thing I will give them some credit for. They're like an Atalanta where they're always kind of, like, you know, right around, like, fifth, sixth, fourth, flipping in and out of those yep. positions. And then it comes to the end of the year, and you have to play them one time, and then <laughs> – that that will cost you uh, your season. So I'll put them in there too. I think, like you said, I'm just in terms of form, I'm more scared of Atalanta, but in, I'm confident in, in Roma, especially um, at the start of the year. We have some good games coming up. Obviously, we play Napoli, but I think even in terms of like the team's confidence, we're in a good spot to play Napoli. Uh, and well, as good a spot as anybody can be to play Napoli. What's a good spot? Yeah. What's a good spot to play Napoli? I mean, they're the last team we can we need to talk about in this top six, right? Like, kind of goes with that. There's not much more to talk about. They have the best defender in Serie A this year in Kim Min Jae. He's played outstanding. They've played amazingly defensively for a team that's attacking this much. I mean, that midfield's the best midfield in Italy by far, but it's one of the best midfields in Europe. Like, from a balanced perspective, like, Lobotka play his, plays his role so well. Like, I don't think I've seen a player that plays in that deep a, a position in the midfield who's that good with the ball at his feet in a long time. And, like, obviously really good at putting in tackles and, like, keeping up the right shape and being a good defensive player. And then Zielinski from an attacking perspective, like what he brings to the midfield is incredible. And Gisa from a box-to-box perspective, as much of a beast as I've seen anyone this season. So they're a threat. And then that, I mean, what can you really do about their attack at this point? Like, <laughs> Really, yeah, that's true. I, I think just to touch on Napoli a little bit, I, I predicted that they would slow down come the new year. So far, I've not really been right outside of the you were kind of right though maybe the the Cremonese game yeah I guess they've had their ups and downs but again like they were flying so high the first half of the season it's just like it it would have been they weren't going to go undefeated all year um I still don't think they will drop out of first unless they go deep in the Champions League but that will save for a different podcast. Um, we got Frankfurt in the first round, so they got the draw that they would would have wanted to progress. I mean, anything can happen. Kavara is playing like one of the best players in the world, and honestly, so is Osimhen. Like, yeah, I don't care. Even if this is Serie A, just like watch him. Like, 
one of the best games he had this season was against Liverpool in the Champions League, and he didn't even score. It was just the energy he was bringing, the runs he was making. Like, he's a really special player. Who would have thought a guy who's, like, that big of a player is, like, A, that good with, like, his touch is very good. And he's just so smart and bringing so much energy to the game. Like, I don't know how you really stop this guy if he just continues to refine his game. He finds the right coach and the right system, and he's going to be one of the best strikers in the world. And he's already very close to there, but I'd say in, in two, three years, he's going to be really like the best, like up there is the best striker. Yeah, he really beside Holland. He, he really hit the ground running. I, I think he came into a great Napoli team too, that he, even though he was the new guy, they already had their thing going. Spalletti is is a one of the best coaches at putting teams together. Doesn't matter like who you have um, like in the team. I think I don't know what he did with Napoli this year, but in terms of confidence and the mentality, um, yeah, they looked great. I, that would be a criticism I had of Spalletti as a coach when he was at Roma, but maybe that maybe it's just more of a criticism of Roma. That um, yeah, there's not much to say about them outside of they've been really great. I think they're. I think Serie A would look a lot differently overall this year if Napoli weren't doing so good. <laughs> if that I, makes sense, I, yeah. I, well, it definitely makes sense. If, if say Napoli, they're sixteen two and one. Okay, say that they were on just a little bit more of a normal pace. And to be fair, like the next best team, unfortunately, is Milan at eleven five and two. So the rest of Serie A is kind of struggling. Um, we're hitting a really low point, man. And I think, you know, this kind of brings us to the Juventus piece. And I just want to touch on it briefly because there's one other thing I did want to get to before we close out this episode. But like with the, this really does expose, like these teams are weak. Like there's one team that can win the league. We all know it. If anyone else does it, it's going to be incredible. Um, I think it's, sad it's unfortunate for Serie A like even Juventus when they were making their climb back up like you could have argued because of like Allegri's pedigree if we were just going to keep playing that style like we just basically shithouse our way to like great results like even the best we could possibly do with this squad given the way Napoli's playing wouldn't have even come close they they might finish they might legitimately finish like 95 points this season yeah, their own pace was somewhere around there. I don't remember what the what was the sorry number. Do you remember when they just finished behind Juventus? The year that ninety two. I think they 92. got ninety two points, and we had ninety four. There was some. There was some high. Find this. Oh yeah, there you we had pull it. we had ninety five points. They had ninety one. Okay. Yeah. Well, like, well, but either way, that's not a very fair. Like, that doesn't show it because it literally was, like, they went and I'm pretty sure either they – they came within two points of us after they beat us with, like, three games remaining. And then I'm pretty sure they they dropped points in all the remaining games and we won all the remaining games, which was very much like the old Juve and very much like the old Napoli. Yeah, there was um, – I don't know. It's, it, it's hard to – I think just just the just to close on Napoli, I think it's theirs to lose. That's the best no way I can I can talk about them right now. Um, I think with the form they're on and, and all that um, Champions League and everything, they have good squad depth. I, I'm not saying they have to win the Champions League, but they should make it past Frankfurt. And even if they don't 
go far in the Champions League, I don't think they'll be too upset about it. They'll want yeah. the Scudetto. Maybe I'll do a whole episode on on the Juve stuff on that another point. Like it just it goes out without saying embarrassing stuff for the club um, to be caught up in. I think a 15 point deduction for something that happened during COVID and was horrible practice, but I don't think was something that truly had a sporting impact. Um, it, and again, that can be debated too, but in the end of the day, I think they're probably, they're a publicly traded company now. And, you know, the brass wanted to represent the balance sheet <laughs> in the best way possible. It's not fucking legal. It's not okay. It's not good. But I don't think Juventus didn't have the money to complete the transfers that they made or didn't have the money to pay the players. It was a stupid maneuver. And now all the pay, all the players are paying for it. And I think it's very, very frustrating when you have ignorant, arrogant management who's now costing the fans and more importantly, the players who are working their ass off to get this team back on the right track because it's been fucking shit in the last couple of years. It's really been so bad. And even including with Cristiano Ronaldo, I think that's what's kind of getting lost here by some Juve fans. It's like the last year that Cristiano Ronaldo won a title with Juventus. We won the title by one point margin. And to be fair, I think there was a pretty good gap between us and Inter for most of the time. But at the same time, Inter then went and took the title right from us the next year easily. And we were on the decline even before we were, we were, we were stopping losing titles. Like the last two years has just been unwatchable. I mean, it's just been like the beginning of this year was the peak of awful. And I thought I, I had said that over and over and over again under Pirlo under, uh, to be honest, like being honest, people glorify the, the Pirlo days. Like, yeah, he did an amazing job for someone who had no fucking experience and stepped in to be a head coach of one of the biggest teams in Europe. But like, that wasn't a fun time either. We weren't playing well and we weren't winning anything important. So it's been brutal. It really, really frustrates me that management would do something like this. But in the end of the day, could probably have a whole episode on that. I just want to, I want to wrap up here with just something that you and I have talked about, you know, and Dave as well in our group chat, like one of the saddest pieces of Serie A is watching the downfall. So for those that don't know, in the 1980s and the 1990s too, uh, Serie A was the best league in the world. Like in the 80s, that's when they had like Platini um, at Juventus and Maradona at Napoli and Obviously, the AC Milan teams, they were stayed, I think in the late 80s, they got Hulit and they had Van Basten and they had already had Baresi and then Maldini was a young player and like all these major names that you've heard about in like the history of football is like the greatest players. Like there's a reason for it. That, 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 those Napoli teams in the 80s were epic. Like the Milan teams of the 90s and the early 2000s are some of the best teams of all time. I'd even argue that. AC Milan in 19, the late 1980s and AC Milan in the early 2000s are like two of the top five teams of all time. I think there's a legitimate argue, argument to make there. So Serie A, like growing up for our parents and for our grandparents, like 
it was amazing. And then the early 2000s, it was still an amazing league. Like AC Milan and Juve were very, very good in the early 2000s. Inter was very, very good. Even won the Champions League in 2010. Um, once once Juventus kind of had an, another punishment in 2006, Inter went on a streak of like winning five titles in a row, you know, in the early 2000s. Like I mentioned AC Milan being good. Like they literally have one of the best teams of all time. Um, so now here we are. I'd say since Juventus started their streak of dominance, like Milan had a, about eight years of borderline irrelevance, like just played their first Champions League game in, was it like se- like five, yeah. six years? It might have, yeah, I think six or seven. I don't remember exactly. Yeah. You're and, right. You know, like, as you know, Roma, who had been an amazing team for a long time with Totti, um, and a few, plenty of other really good players too. Like Kafu was there for a long time. Um, Battistuta came for a couple years. Daniele De Rossi, obviously one of the other faces of Roma. Like they had some really legendary players over there as well. Like they were a strong team. And then it's been, it was really, really up and down for them. Again, like we all remember the Barcelona Roma game um, in, I think 2018. Um, like one of the more epic moments, like Roma had a solid team then, but like it's been up and down since like the beginning of the 2010s. It's been up and down for Napoli. Like we remember their good team with Cavani, Hamshik, et cetera, um, you know, in the early 2010s, up and down until now. Serie A is just really not the same league is what it used to be. Yeah. 100%. Why do you, how do we get to this point? What do you think are the core issues that got us to this point i think like we've like you said we've talked about it a lot there's a lot to talk about in terms of like really breaking it down yeah it's too much for a segment we got right now but if you're going to sum it up the best you can i'll drop it into like three things i think it's like marketing i think they should have done a better job like at their peak or even coming off their peak uh to market to north america asia that type of thing. I think if you look at what the Premier League's done well, they've done that well in terms of TV rights, in terms of summer tours, stuff like that. Uh, It's to the point now where I think maybe more people in the U.S. would be able to tell you like, oh, that's Newcastle versus like, oh, hey, that's, you know, Milan or that's Inter. That's, you know, people know. They see Juventus, they think it's Newcastle. (laughs) Yeah. So (laughs) no, you're right. I I, I think that is definitely – you know, contributing to it. I think another one that we definitely talk about a lot is some of the social justice stuff. They are just like light years behind in an incredibly like stupefying way. Like I I don't like some of the reaction or non-reaction to certain things that take place in the league is just like insane. It seems like so cut and dry. I don't know who they're trying to appease. It only makes the league like look more and more stupid with, with how they handle some of this stuff. But, um, Seriously, how could they be behind on that? I'm sorry to cut you off, but like from what we've seen, like the picture of the monkey that they that they posted after I think it was it was either Moise Keen or Lukaku and one of the incidents that either of them faced. It's unfortunate that we have a few examples of this to look back at, but it was either Moise Keen or Lukaku, and they posted a picture of a the Syria account posted a picture of a monkey. And was like, we are with all all humans or like something like that. It's like, it's almost like it looked like self-sabotage. 
yeah it was something to do with like they pulled it was supposed to be an art piece or something but it wasn't really the time for art as much as it was the time for making a serious statement about um you know protecting the players in this league i think it's obviously a complex issue and i i think you know the premier league probably does it the best but if you look at like you know when some of the players wear like the rainbow armband or something like that or take a knee before the game some of the reaction um from just maybe soccer fans in general is just behind as well that's not an excuse for Serie oh, by any means. Uh, I think it's just like where the sport is or it's just some something that has taken place in terms of, of the fans in general. And not everyone, obviously. I think the majority of people are sane and, and know like kind of right from wrong. But I think, um, yeah, it's important for the league. Um, one, because, yes, like it makes the league look better when they handle these things properly. I think another like, you know, smaller portion of it that isn't talked about enough is if I'm a player – like it's sad to think about, but like, for example, if I'm a black player coming to Serie A, like Tammy Abraham, I had the thought when he came, yeah. I was like, did, does, does he, he knows about this. I'm sure he's aware of it. You know, is that a contributing factor to me coming to this league? Like if you're going to a different league, a different to country, yeah, it, it's, it's changed already. So it's like, I don't want to like have to deal with that more, more so than I would have to in my everyday life, you know, as, as horrible as that is. Uh, so you want to make sure that like players that are coming here, especially like younger players, like they're, they're protected. Like you're already going to be in like the face of the media. Like that's enough pressure already to have to deal with something as like stupid as like racism. It is just like, I don't know. It's crazy. They, they need it's to do pathetic. a much better job of that. That's my biggest criticism of, of the league. I couldn't agree more. It's pathetic that we're talking about it. Like, right. Yeah. For how many, uh, and not that this should, this doesn't even matter. Okay. Like, I want to clarify when I say this, like, this doesn't even matter. Like, people should just be fucking respected. But uh, for how many great African-American, like, black players have been, or African-American, like, African, black, or black players overall have been in Serie A, like, you'd think that they would have learned by now. They've had Ballon d'Or winners, like, multiple-time Champions League winners, like, Seydorf, obviously, Hullet's black, but he's Dutch. Reichardt's black, but he's Dutch. George Weah won the Ballon d'Or. Like, we could kind of go on and on about all, all these unbelievable players that have represented Serie A so well and were so loved. Koulibaly, in recent years, such a loved player in Naples. Like, such a great face of this league. And, like, no respect for these people. Um, it's unfortunate. But I don't know how it changes. That's my, that's my biggest fear with Serie A, I guess the only way it changes is if Serie A made like a very serious commitment to solving the problem and speaking out about it and like not de- having a, a, an actual, actual zero tolerance policy. But I just don't see that. Like they haven't even come close to that at this point. So why expect that they're going to completely flip now? Yeah, I, I don't understand it either. I think, I don't know if you saw, this wasn't a racial incident, but I think it was Arsenal Spurs. One of the Spurs fans ran down and kicked Aaron Ramsdale. Yeah. Did you, did you see that? I did, And yeah. so they have the, the camera footage, like zoomed in fully HD of this guy from when he kicks him going all the way back up through the stands to his seat. And they banned him for life. I'm sorry. Do but that. All yeah. these, all Yes, all these stadiums have that technology. If there's an incident, it's not that hard to find no. these people that's what i remove, mean by zero tolerance yeah, it's done. and you like, remove them permanently and then and that's it and that is the the starting point 
I think. Um, and I'm sure there are examples of it being done and I'm sure it's happened once or twice, but it needs to be consistent throughout the league to touch on another issue of Serie A in general. I think it's like just a poorly governed body. <laughs> I, oh I think that it is inconsistent when it comes to the referees, when it comes to the social justice stuff. Um, and I think that that also weighs heavy on on things like stadiums, uh, getting teams new stadiums. I know Rome has been trying to build a stadium for like 10 years. And, and that also has, has a lot to do with local government, uh, too. But, yeah, I think I don't know. There's a lot of issues uh, with with Serie A. Obviously, it's my favorite league to watch despite all these things. And, and I I love the players and I love watching Serie A, but yeah, sometimes it is very frustrating to be a fan of this league. With, with how it's really goes. frustrating. It's re- I think it's really frustrating for those of us that watch every week with the highest expectations that we can possibly have. Um, because it, it, it doesn't have to be the Premier League. That's the best part about it. I think every Serie A fan, real Serie A fan will tell you, like it doesn't have to be the best league in the world like it was back in the day. But so long as there's three, four teams that are like seriously competent in Europe and competing for the title and like even three teams is good. And then you have like another like three, four teams below that who are going to be able to play really, really hard against every top team and are going to should be able to beat all the teams below them. Like that would be a great league. And then like enough parity in that bot in the bottom table, which, by the way, I think we have a little bit of that. Um, there is a little bit of that going just because the top teams are so bad, probably. But like I, there are, I would say like there aren't a lot of pushover games like six nil, five nil games in Serie A. Maybe that's more speaking to the style of the play, um, a little bit more tactical, maybe a little slower than most other leagues. But like I still I still think it's a good sign that we do have that kind of parity. But I agree. It's still my favorite league league to watch. I just wish they could reach its potential. Like any of us, like we want to see it reach its potential. The best parts about watching Serie A are like, A, the history, the culture, and the fans, the good fans that make it like really exciting to watch these games, that make the atmospheres really exciting for the players, that make the, the rivalries fun. I love all that, all, all of that too. But I really hate the fact that we do simple we miss out on simple things you mentioned like roma and trying to get a new stadium like the infrastructure in syria is just like archaic compared to what you see in germany obviously in england um and even in france at some level like the stadiums are nowhere near the training facilities are nowhere near but i think i agree i think it i think also that to the new players coming into the league um, as well. Like if you look at how you're, you know, if you're assigning a player, you're also selling them your project. You're, you know, you're selling the club, you're selling the league. And I think that becomes yeah. harder and harder as the league kind of regresses and in, in ways it's more competitive, like you said, at the top and at the bottom of the league. Um, but I don't know if that is a reflection of the quality as a league of the league as a whole. I think it may be, yeah. like you said, that maybe the top teams are progressed a little bit and the bottom teams got a little better. Um, all that being said, maybe next year it'll be a Serie A team to win the Champions League. You really never know, and that's the beauty right. of the sport. Dude, it, there's a very real possibility that Milan, Roma, Juve, Inter all get better and Napoli gets to keep some of their talent. So there you go. All right. 
this was a really fun episode. Thank you so much for doing this, man. It was great talking Serie A with you and great being able to actually do this podcast. I know we talked about it before, but yeah, thank you so much. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me. I'm sure hopefully I'll be back on uh, for another episode. So. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> like I said, I'm trying to have recurring guests. So trying to hope maybe we get to 50 conversations with new people. That would be kind of cool. And then Ooh, yeah. we can start shifting from there. All right, Massimo. So. Th- thank you very much. And thank you to everyone who listened. Take it easy, everyone. <laughs>